Cool. All right, let's jump back in here. And I do want to just pick up where we left off, um, talking about our addiction, if we're okay using that word, uh, to our devices and some of the things we learned from Psalm 1. Here's what I want to say as we kind of wrap up this discussion is that uh, it's not hopeless, okay? There is hope um, in this discussion. Again, if you're like me and you're thinking about um, the stuff that we've talked about, and you're, I'm noticing in my own life how much I struggle with this and always needing to be on my phone and uh, always needing to have a screen in front of me or, or you know, AirPods in my ears listening to something, uh, and thinking about breaking away from this lifestyle seems overwhelming, okay? I want to say before we move on to social media that there is hope. Um, and I'll go about that in two different ways briefly here. One is uh, with some science. Um, that same article that's called, I think, Is Google Making Us Stupid? Um, that same article that talked about how the author found it hard to read long stretches because using the internet for so many years had, in his words, rewired his brain. He says this later on in the article. He says uh, that uh, it used to be that people, scientists, thought that our brains uh, became fixed at some point. Like they kind of developed themselves and then they hardened and then our brains you know, are what they are for the rest of our lives. And he says that uh, actually science has discovered that that's not the case. And instead, science has shown us, research has shown us that, quote, the human brain is almost infinitely malleable. That means it can be changed, okay? Um, he says, people used to think that our mental meshwork was largely fixed by the time we reached adulthood, but brain research have discovered that that's not the case. So here's, the, here's why that gives me hope, okay? If it's true that all my time that I've spent on a smartphone and on tablets and on a computer, if that's done something to my brain, uh, the hope is we can turn it around. We can turn it in the opposite direction and actually start to rewire our brains by building better habits uh, and by changing the way that we do these things. Okay? Now, I want to say this to you. To me, this is even better news. It's even more good news for you uh, sitting in here, most of you sitting in here. Um, I think it's like around 25 is when your brain kind of fully develops. Now, again, the point is even after 25 to the rest of your life, your brain continues to change. Um, but what it means to say that really your brain is developing until 25 is to say for all you all that, I mean, that's for some of you, it's 10, 12 years away. For some of you, it's seven, eight years away. But still, you're still in the time of your life where your brain is developing. So. If you can, over the next several years, as you come into adulthood, if you can establish some good habits and you can break away from this kind of addictive behavior to your devices, then what's going to happen is your brain's going to develop and form in a much better way, okay, uh, than if you, from now until, you know, your mid-20s, just continue to engage in this kind of addictive behavior. So to me, there's a, you all have a great opportunity as being young people with your brain still developing to put yourself on a better track for the rest of your life. And that happens by establishing good habits now. But really, I mean, okay, so that's encouraging that science has shown that our brains can change. But as I said up here, really it's God is the one that transforms us. And to me, it's no surprise that our brains can change because that's the promise of, of the gospel, right? 
The promise of the gospel is you come to the Lord, not only does he forgive your sins, he starts to make you into a new person. He starts to transform you, transform your heart, transform your mind, your brain, uh, and transform your life. And so like the language of Paul in Romans 12, he says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Listen to this and notice how it fits with the two points we made from Psalm 1. Do not be conformed to this world, so don't be like everybody else, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, which is good and acceptable and perfect. So, let's break out of the hamster wheel of the world and the constant uh, distraction of devices, and let's think differently, let's renew our brains in the gospel and in the spirit of God, and allow God to transform us and by establishing better habits, we can uh, achieve that by His grace, of course. Okay, so let's move on now to talk about social media. And uh, has anybody seen this movie? Some hands, you've seen the movie? Okay. All right, now you're on the spot. What's this movie all about? Ready Player One. Uh, what, what, what's Ready Player One about? JP, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Thanks. Uh -huh. <laughs> Virtual reality, right? And particularly everybody uh, in the movie, basically, is a kind of futuristic movie. Everybody on, on Earth, I guess, most people. What do they do? Where do they spend most of their time? In the Oasis. There you go. But it's called the Oasis. The Oasis is the game. It's a virtual reality game. And it's, we've basically, in this movie, the world's reached a point where, what's real life like? By like, you know, it's a wasteland, okay? Uh, at least where the, where the main character lives, okay? Um, it's a wasteland, but everybody's living in the game. They're living in the oasis, okay? Um, has anybody heard of Second Life? This is a little old for, this, this may be actually some people on the outside, well, some of you at least. Uh, know, anybody know what Second Life is? Any of our adults? Bob, I'm allowed to call on adults, right? Anybody? Andrew, Emily, Second Life? So Second Life actually is, a, is really, in essence, like the Oasis in Ready Player One, okay? Uh, it, was a, it, it was on the computer, so there was no virtual reality headset, but uh, you got on the computer and you kind of create your person, your avatar, that's you, and then you basically live in this virtual world, and you travel around, and you buy things, and you meet people, and all this kind of stuff, okay? Uh, it was much popular a while back. It still is a thing, but not nearly as big. And does anybody know what the metaverse is? What'd you say? Unfortunately. Unfortunately. So what is the metaverse? There's a bunch of different ones, really. It's essentially a virtual world like you see in Ready Player One. Yeah, uh, it is a virtual world, the metaverse, okay? And uh, I don't know if you knew this, but Facebook uh, and Instagram, that's the same company, run by Mark Zuckerberg, it's another famous name in the world of technology. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg announced last year that the company is going to kind of focus its efforts primarily on this, on the metaverse, on creating a virtual world where you can put on a headset, you can put on a pair of glasses, and you're in this kind of virtual universe. And again, like Second Life, like Ready Player One, you create an avatar, 
That avatar may look like you. It may be like a monster or a cat or something, you know. Uh, but you go around and you can attend concerts and classes and you can hang out with friends and all this kind of This is what they are working to develop, okay? So I have a couple questions for you. Um, the first question is stuff like this, okay? Um, all of this included. Why do things like this appeal to us? Why are, why are we, why are people into this kind of thing? What's the, what's the attraction of it? What do you think? You can shout out things. You don't, you don't even have to raise your hand. This is not, not school. Sir. Yes. Avoids work. Avoids work. Yeah, that's, that, the second life thing is scary. You watch documentaries. It's like people like threw away their whole life because they were just couldn't get up from the computer, living in the virtual world and didn't go to work. Uh, and we're fired. That's, that's what happens. Real life consequences, people. Don't go to work, you get fired. Other reasons why it's attractive to us, this, this sort of thing. What do you mean it's not as hard? You don't really have to do stuff. I like that. Uh, Bowen, right? Thank you, Bowen. Um, yeah, you know, in, in, uh, in Second Life and in the Metaverse and stuff, in Ready Player One, you can do, you can like fly around, you know. It's like, you can't do that in the real world, but in, you know, so you can do things, yeah, it's not as hard. Other attractions? I'm personally guilty of this, escape from reality. Escape from reality, okay. Because uh, reality is not always so fun. Is somebody over here? You can make your life as you want it, right? Have what you want to have, live where you want to live, okay? Even, what? Look how you want to look, okay? And the other thing, there's one other piece that no one's really mentioned. Okay, there's no rules, you don't have to listen to anybody else. You, you do what you want to do, okay? Uh, and who are you doing it with? Friends. Friends. No. Well, yeah, friend. something like this, right, okay, you're with other people all the time, even though you're maybe just like at your house, okay? Um, I, I hear a lot of this, I hear a lot of people talk about video games in this way. Um, people say, well, I get on, I play Call of Duty or I play games because that's where I hang out with my friends. My buddies from college or, you know, friends from school, uh, we get on the game and we talk and we, you know, but... Uh, and these virtual reality worlds, both fictional and, uh, and real, have that same appeal as well. No matter where you are, you can always be connected to people and talking to them and hanging out with them. Okay. So here's what I'm going to say as we talk about social media for a little bit. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that basically if you're on social media, you're in the oasis, kind of. Okay. If you're on social media, you're, that is a virtual reality world. Okay. Um, now, by the way, I'll say one thing. When you hear, if you listen to Mark Zuckerberg and he talks about why they want to create the metaverse, in, in his mind, it's just a natural extension of what Facebook and Instagram already is now. It's just like a more extreme version. So even now, um, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, these are virtual worlds. The platforms are designed to connect us so that no matter where you are, you're always connected to other people through these social networks. And they are worlds. And you inhabit these worlds. When you get onto Instagram, it's like you're living in that, you're like entering into the Instagram reality, okay? And you're moving around and you're seeing people and you're interacting with people, okay? So it's not the same level of immersion as putting on a headset and stepping into a virtual reality world. 
but it is in many ways, uh, all social media is like a virtual reality world that we step into and that we inhabit if we are users of these things, okay? Um, now, I didn't ask you this. I meant to ask you this, uh, so I'll ask you now. We talked about why these things are attractive, even just backing up a step to just these things here. Uh, what's the harm in, or, or what, what are the dangers that you see in living in uh, the metaverse or in Ready Player One, that kind of world, or in Second Life? They distract you from God's word. They distract you from God's word. And what is your name, sir? Owen. Owen. Owen and Bowen sat next to each other? Perfect. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Owen and Bowen. Thank you, Owen. Um, distract us from God's word. What other dangers do you see in living in Ready Player One? If you've seen the movie, you may know. I don't think I hit, I hit that at all. You don't want to leave it, right? Why would you? All the stuff we talked about earlier sounds, you know, it's like perfect. So why would you want to leave it? Yes, ma'am. Contact with strangers. Yeah, it, it exposes you to contact with strangers in a, in a dangerous way. Thank you. Other dangers you see in the virtual reality? You can neglect your real life. You neglect your real life, okay? Lose your job, lose your family, so on and so forth, okay? So uh, again, if all of those attractions and the dangers exist in virtual reality, I'm going to suggest to you that the same sort of attractions and the same sort of dangers exist even with social media. Okay, so let's go back to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. Um, and I told you this already. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, all things may be lawful for me, but, I will, uh, but not all things are profitable. He says the same thing in chapter 10. And in chapter 10, he follows it up with this statement. He says, not all things are lawful for me, but not all things edify, not all things build up. Okay. And this is what we want to focus on in this lesson on social media. Um, we're, not asking, we're, not, we're not here to ask the question, is social media a sin? Is it a sin to be on you know, uh, Instagram or Snapchat? Okay. We're asking this question here. Does social media build up? Does my use of social media edify? Is it building me up as a Christian? Is it building other people up? other Christians or other people that I interact with? It can, right? But, and so that's what we want to ask. It, it's uh, not a matter of right and wrong so much as it is a matter of is it a good thing for building myself up and building other people up. So let's get into this here. I want to start by talking about the um, irony of social media and ask the question, is it working? What is social media trying to accomplish, and is it accomplishing that? Then we will talk about the problems, and then uh, talk about, we will, I promise, talk about a solution at some point, whether it's before or after lunch. So let's talk about the irony of social media. As we said, social media is designed to connect us. Social media is designed to connect us. The quote from Mark Zuckerberg, who created Facebook, was something like, at that time, you could find anything on the internet except other people. So social media, Facebook was invented to connect us with other people. Okay? Um, that's the goal of social media. And I will say, and I, I want to say this loud and clear for everybody that's listening, uh, it has achieved this goal in some very beneficial ways that we should be very thankful to God for. And I can give you a number of examples. You could probably give me a number of examples too. Right? There are uh, family and friends that we keep up with Okay, over the course of the year, I was reminded in being here and 
Mr. Holcomb was talking about camp that just took place. A lot of you guys went to camp, and I was remembering those days of going to camp and thinking, man, you know, there were limited opportunities for me when I was a teenager to keep in touch with my camp friends over the course of a year, okay? Uh, but now, you know, there are opportunities to stay connected to people that really build us up um, in a special way, okay? Um, we've experienced a worldwide crisis in the last few years. I don't know if you guys heard, but uh, during a global pandemic, we were able to stay connected to each other and to family and to our churches by the use of this connective technology. Uh, and we could go so on, you know, so on and so forth. Okay, there are ways that, that this has been a blessing to us. Paul says in Ephesians 4, that uh, in the church we are the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of, its, uh, working of each individual part, causing the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Okay? And I think that social media uh, and digital communication, like texting and Zoom and all this stuff, has helped us to achieve this to some degree. Okay. Did everybody hear what I said? Right. It's been a blessing in, in some very important ways for us. But, did you know the but was coming? But, uh, over the last decade or so, there has come out more and more evidence that social media really is having the opposite effect of what is intended. Here's what I mean. Okay. Um, there's a book that came out several years ago, and it's actually about you. It's about uh, your generation. The I generation is what people have labeled you. Sorry that people have put a label on you. Uh, is it, maybe it's uh, Gen Z is another way that you're described. But if you were born between the years of, where let's see this here, 1995 and 2012, does that catch most everybody in here? Or some of you were born after 2012, trying to do the math. No, you should be, everybody in here should be 95, 2012. Uh, you're in the I generation. And this author that wrote a book on you, on your generation, says that your generation, this current generation, is spending more and more time online and less time with peers in person. And the result is that there is an alarming rise in anxiety and depression and loneliness and even things like attempted suicide. Okay. Um, and one of the things I like about what she does in this book is that she's able to show that it's, it's social media is, um, it's not just coincidental that more people are using social media and also there's more anxiety and depression among young people. She's able to connect the dots in a way to say it's contributing to the rise of anxiety and depression. So it's intended to connect us, and yet the evidence is showing that people, and it's not just young people, it's adults as well, are feeling more isolated, more depressed, the more that they use social media, okay? Um, I will tell you, speaking of honesty, this is essentially my story, okay, of why I'm not on social media anymore, um, although that doesn't rule out the, the, some of the difficulties that we're talking about uh, for myself, um, the dangers of these things. But basically, uh, in college, I was close to a lot of people, and then I graduated college and I moved to a place where I was essentially on my own, and there was new people in my life, but all the old people that I missed uh, were not around anymore. Okay? And so I thought Facebook was gonna be a great way to keep in touch with everybody. But every time I was on Facebook, I was just seeing everybody else that I missed, 
and the, lie, the happy lives they were le leading, you know, and it, it, it made me feel more lonely. It made me feel more separated from those people uh, in, instead of feeling more connected. And so I found it better for myself to just get off um, and found that to be uh, helpful for me. Um, I don't know about you. I'm going to guess that um, if you're on social media, which you may not be, but if you're on social media, I'm assuming you've seen some of this yourself. That like you get on it thinking it's going to connect you to people and, you know, hang out. But the more you're on Instagram, the more you're on uh, maybe Snapchat or Twitter, uh, you feel worse. <laughs> you're like, that did not make me feel closer to people. Now I feel more isolated. I feel more discouraged. I feel more depressed. Okay. So maybe you're, you're feeling this as well. I'm going to give you four problems that I think... Uh, the problems with social media that contribute to this. And then we'll talk about a solution. Here they are. Here's the four problems I want to uh, share with you. The first is that social media is, is basically just self-promotion. I mean, if you, if you even just think about the way these things work, any of these platforms, what is it? I have an account, and what do I do? I post things. I share my thoughts. I share a picture of me. I share my life. I'm, you know, throwing it out there, and you're doing the same thing on your account, okay? Um, but the thing is, we understand that this is not a very helpful way to build relationship, okay? Uh, if at, if, you know, we break for lunch eventually at some point, and we all just kind of stood up and faced each other and started just blurting out, like, I had eggs for breakfast, you know? I don't like the president, you know, uh, War Eagle, you know, just got whatever was on our mind, whatever we're upset about, whatever I thought, we just started kind of blurting that out toward each other. That would be chaos for one, but it, there would be no relationship building. You don't build relationships by sharing, you know, by saying, this is what I think. This is who I am. You know, do you like me? You know, that, that's not relationship building. That's just expressing myself, promoting myself, really. Because that's the thing. Uh, you know as well as I do, maybe you know better than I do, honestly, that when we're in social media and we're just posting about ourselves and sharing about ourselves, the natural tendency is to make ourselves appear better or appear differently than we really are. Okay? So this kind of goes back to the virtual reality, the avatars. In a way, we've, we're all on social media, we're creating an avatar. You know what I mean? Like, we're creating a version of ourselves that other people see, okay? And we're funny, and we're cute, and we're, you know, good at sports, and we're, all, we're intelligent, and we read books, you know? That's not really us, but that's what we post on social media, right? Because we're trying to create a certain image of ourselves so that we can impress other people, okay? Um, but one of the problems, that, uh, other than that being deceptive, um, one of the problems with that is that uh, I know the truth. And so I may be posting the most edited, polished picture of myself, okay? But I see myself in the mirror. I know I don't look that good, okay? Or I post the funny quote, right, on social media, but I know, like, I'm not really that witty, that smart, or that clever, okay? And I feel more insecure because I know that I'm faking it. Right? But this is one of the dangers of social media. It, it revolves around me promoting myself, my thoughts, and my life. Okay? 
And that doesn't build people up. It doesn't build us up either. Um, and so it's a problem. And related to that, social media also fuels unhealthy comparisons. Okay? Because here's the thing. I'm not the only one on Instagram that's you know, painting this perfect picture of my life. Everybody else is doing that too. Everyone else is sharing about you know, their cute puppy and their beautiful vacation and their perfect family and their perfect life. And so what do I do when I'm looking at Instagram? Well, I'm just comparing myself to all of these perfect people out there, okay? Because, you know, that's the way they, their life looks. And that, I just compare. We're, we naturally compare ourselves to other people anyway. And so it just becomes worse when what we're comparing ourselves to uh, looks so good and looks so nice, okay? In the book that I mentioned about the I generation, the author points out that social media negatively affects the mental health of girls worse than guys, okay? Um, and I think this is a big reason why. And so I'm not saying this is not a, a problem for, for young men, but I do want to say a, a kind of a, a special warning to young women that, uh, and this doesn't change. According to my wife, it doesn't change when you stop becoming a teenager. But women have a tendency to compare themselves to each other uh, and to be more easily um, depressed or discouraged or isolated when they don't feel like they live up to the standard that other women meet or they think that other women meet, right? So girls who are, you know, self-conscious about their appearance get on Instagram and see all these pretty beautiful people, okay? Or young women who are conscious of their weight see all these, you know, fitness influencers or friends that look so attractive, okay? Or young women that are lonely see all these happy couples posting their pictures on Facebook. And it's, it can be really destructive and really hard. So I actually asked my wife, I said, what would you say? Um, and her advice was, was to get off. Maybe that's forever, maybe that's for a time, but to get off. Because it's not reality, it's not real. And that's the point that we're trying to make. Okay? Um, what we're seeing is not real. And so if we're just constantly beating ourselves up because we don't live up to what we're seeing on social media, we're deceiving ourselves um, and hurting ourselves unnecessarily, okay? So, social media is self-promotion, essentially. That's a problem. It fuels these comparisons with uh, each other, which is a problem. Um, it exhausts us with overconnection. Here's what I mean by that. So, when we spend time regularly on social media, we are bombarded with the latest news and images from not only all over our social circle, but really all over the world. Okay, so there's a couple problems with that. One is that if I'm on, and this is actually in some ways a problem for older adults, uh, maybe in some ways more than, than you all, but if I'm on Facebook, within just a few minutes, I can see a, a cat video uh, followed by a picture of someone's lunch followed by a, a personal cry for help from somebody, okay, alongside a scripture, and then followed by a political rant, okay. Uh, what do you do with all of that? Like, your brain just is seeing all of that, and it's, it's just one, as we would say, random thing after another, and I, I don't even know how to process it. But I'm going to it's something really more than that that I want to highlight. The fact that we are so inundated. On social media, we're seeing the problems and the celebrations of everybody's life. So again, with just a, a short scroll through Instagram, you might see news about a cancer diagnosis, 
and then someone's newborn baby, and then a car accident, and then a wedding announcement, and then a news story about a school shooting. And I'm going to tell you this. I think it's too much. We were not created. God did not create us to be able to deal with and to handle and to process all the problems of all the people in the world. Okay? We can't do it. We're not God. I can't bear the burdens of all these different people. I can't do anything about all of these problems that I see in the world. And I do want to make one clarification to a, to a degree. I'm not saying that if we're going through something hard or someone is sick, that we shouldn't ask for prayers from as many people as possible. And social media has been a good way to ask for prayers for people uh, all over the world. But for us, as the ones that are getting on social media and looking at it, uh, we need to be careful. Because we ourselves have limits. If you can pray for every problem that you see on social media, that's awesome. And it means you're spending a lot of time in prayer, okay? And good for you. And I'm not saying that sarcastically. That's a good thing. But my guess is that we're not doing that. And really, I think it's impossible, to, at a certain extent, to pray for every single tragedy. Um, and the truth is that even in our own lives, we have problems. And we have people that we know. We have family. And we have friends that are going through difficult things. On social media, we have all the problems of all the world. And we can't... We just can't handle it. And it, what it does is it dulls our senses and it leaves us exhausted. And it actually makes us unable to process and to help the people that are in our own lives. So uh, it's just too much. Social media and the exposure to all the heavy things in our world. Okay? Um, and then finally, I will say that social media distracts us from flesh and blood. And this goes back to what we said about the Oasis and about Second Life and about the metaverse. Okay? There's an attraction of living in kind of a made-up world, living in a fantasy world, living in a world that's virtual, a virtual reality. Okay? Um, but no matter how cool it is, no matter how great the metaverse becomes, guess what? It's not going to be real life. It's always going to pale in comparison to real life. Um, I love this Bible verse, and it uh, kind of seemingly comes out of nowhere. But in 2 John tiny little book at the end of our Bibles, 2 John verse 12, uh, John says this. He's written just a few words, really, in this short little letter of 2 John. And he ends by saying, I have many things to write to you, but I do not want to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face so that your joy may be full. I love this. This is 2,000 years ago. And the Apostle John is saying, Hey, I got a lot of things I want to talk to you about, but I don't want to write it down and have you read it. I want to see you face to face because it's in face to face where he says our joy, my joy will be full. Okay? And that's the point that we're making. Full and complete joy in relationship with other people comes from face to face flesh and blood interaction. And what social media does is it pulls us out of the real world, okay? And uh, we inhabit this virtual world, the world of social media, and it keeps us from the real world of flesh and blood that's around us. I'll give you two examples. This comes from that book I mentioned earlier, 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You. He gives two examples of how we do this. One 
is that uh, you know, texting and driving is a really big deal, okay? and it's really dangerous. Okay? Um, but when we text and drive, you see what we're doing. You're texting and driving, it's because you're living in this other world where you're talking to somebody else who's miles away, and you're ignoring the fact that you're literally putting other people's lives in danger because of how easy it is to run off the road and kill somebody. Why? Because you were living in this other space and talking to somebody else somewhere you know, across the world. That's what social media does. It's like it, it removes us from the real world we're living in, and we actually harm or, and, uh, other people because we're distracted with, with talking to people in the virtual world. Um, he also talks about the, the fact, and we'll maybe talk more about this uh, later on, the fact that when we use social media, oftentimes we are doing real harm to people that are reading our posts, reading our comments, but we don't think of anything of it. Because to me, it's just, well, it's just a comment on Instagram. But the person reading that is really hurt by it. Um, and we miss the fact that, oh, yeah, that's a flesh and blood human. And I've just hurt their feelings because we think that being on social media, it's like a virtual reality. Okay, so social media, digital communication, uh, they, they, they have helped us in a lot of ways, but they've also presented us with some major problems. So what's the solution? Let's start talking about it now, and we'll continue this conversation uh, after lunch, I think. So, there's a, turn to Philippians chapter 2. This is going to be an important passage before and after lunch. We'll make several points about this. Philippians chapter 2. And again, we're going to return here and maybe read a few more verses after lunch. But for right now, I want us to read verses 5 to 8, where Paul says, Have this attitude, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So after lunch, we're going to talk about... Oh, I have it up here. Why did I not... There we go. So after lunch, we're going to talk about uh, this first part. Okay. Uh, after lunch, we're going to talk about how when I'm on social media, I can be more Christ-like. Okay. But I want to make a different point from this passage for right now with some of the things that we've talked about. I want you to notice Paul is basically telling the story of the gospel here, okay? And the story of the gospel is that there was a separation of relationship. There was a disconnection between us, humans, and God. We were separated from God because of our sin. And so God wanted to restore that connection. He wanted to establish a relationship with you and with me, okay, and to save us from our sins and to have a relationship with us, okay? How did he do that? Well, he didn't do that by emailing us. Okay? He didn't do that by, uh, again, TikTok videos. I mentioned that earlier. right? Uh, here's what I want you to know. He didn't even like, come as a hologram, like an appearance okay, of himself. Okay? 
The way that God chose to save us, really the only way that he could save us, in one way of talking about it, is that he had to become flesh and blood. He had to like show up and be here with us. Okay. The beginning of 1 John, uh, I love that passage, and John says, hey, we were with God in the flesh, and he like put his hand on our shoulder, and he talked to us, and we hugged him, and we ate food with him. Okay. The way that God saved us was by coming in the flesh, and coming as a person in, in flesh and blood. We could see him, touch him, hear him. And so the point I want to make now is that that's a, that's a significant thing, okay? Um, and that if God, the only way God could establish relationship with us was by coming in flesh and blood, really the only way that we're going to have real, full, complete relationships with other people is doing so in flesh and blood, okay? Face-to-face, in-person, that's really the only way to establish true connection. So, here's the things I'll say for now. The first thing would be, get off if you need to. Won't belabor this point, okay? But I ask us again from the beginning to be honest with ourselves and say, do I need to step away? Again, maybe it's temporary. Maybe it's long term. Maybe I just test it out. Say, you know what? For the month of August, I'm not going to be on social media. I'm going to see what happens. And August 31st, I can reevaluate. I can, I can look back. Maybe you journal during that month and say, what am I feeling? What am I experiencing? Okay. It may be that you come to the conclusion you need to get off, and I would encourage you to do that. Even if you're not going to get off, I would say you need to set strict boundaries and um, protect yourself from spending too much time in a way that would be unhelpful. Okay. But get off if you need to, or set boundaries for yourself. The other problem, or the other uh, suggestion I would make, advice I would give you, is prioritize the people that are around you, physically around you, okay? So, when you're at home with your family, be with your family. That's the flesh and blood that's in your presence. Look at them. Talk to them, okay? Hug them. Develop a relationship with them. Instead of being at home with your family, and yet you're you know, a million miles away, uh, talking to friends in other places, living in that virtual world, okay? Prioritize. That means put them first. That doesn't mean you never talk to people that aren't in your house, okay? Or if you're at a teen weekend with other teens, okay, focus on each other. Wherever you are at any given time, prioritize, focus on the people that are physically around you in flesh and blood, okay? Embrace the awkward. So what I'm going to say, I'm going to be honest again. It's honesty weekend. Okay, I've already had some awkward interactions with some of you. Okay, I'm like this old guy, right, coming from Texas, and you know, talking to you, and I'm like asking, so, okay, what's your name? How old are you? Where do you live? And you know, that's a little bit uncomfortable. And it's like, okay, we talked about a few things. Then, then what do you talk about? You know, okay. So you're from Hansville, wherever that is. You know, I don't know. Do I ask you, how do you get to Hansville from here? You know, what's it like there? What's the population of Hansville? You know? uh, In-person, real-life conversations are awkward. They're difficult. We need to embrace that. Okay? Don't run away from that, because guess what? It's much easier 
to talk to people through a screen. Much easier to do that. Uh, we need to embrace those awkward, uncomfortable conversations. There was actually a series of ads that ran a few years ago. Maybe so you've seen some of them. About the awkward, it was a, a, advertisements for mental health. And it was about seizing the awkward moment. And it had these, I thought, pretty good commercials where you have two friends sitting on a couch and there's that awkward silence, right? And they kind of sit there and it's like, well, this is uncomfortable. And then one of them says, hey, are you okay? You haven't been yourself recently. I love that. It's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. When there's awkward interactions that you have with your friends, with your family, okay, don't run away from that and bury yourself in a screen to do something that's easier. Okay? Have that conversation. Ask them how they're doing. Okay? Uh, build a relationship by communicating with them, even though it may be difficult. So embrace the awkward. And uh, finally, I would say for now, um, do what you can to move things towards in person. Here's what I mean. So you're likely going to be on social media and using things like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, and Snapchat. Some of these I think are better than others, but let's just assume you're using some of these platforms here. Use the platform to create opportunities to see people in the flesh and to hang out with them, okay? So use social media to promote a hangout where people are actually gonna get together and be in the same room and, I don't know, sing or just you know, spend time together. Uh, people that you communicate with regularly via text. Make time to be with that person in, in, in the flesh, right? Uh, to hang out with them, have them over, okay? To go to them. Uh, we're going in the world that we're living in. We have so many tools of, of long distance virtual communication, okay? And again, those things are blessings, but let's use them to keep moving back to what's gonna be the most important and most powerful thing for us, which is spending time together in the same room, flesh and blood, looking each other in the eye, having those awkward conversations, doing the awkward bro hug, you know. Let's move towards what's gonna to be much more powerful for us, okay? And it's not easy. In fact, it's difficult. And that's why I showed you, pointed out that verse in Philippians 2, okay? Do you think it would have been easier for Jesus to just like send us the information, to send us the text and say, hey, here's what you need to know, okay? Uh, for Jesus to come, it, it was messy. He had to, I mean, talk about awkward interactions. Jesus had to suffer. He had to be humiliated. He had to be rejected. He had to be physically killed, experience that pain. But that was the only way to reestablish that connection. And so, yes, it's going to be weird, it's going to be hard, and it would be much easier to just spend all of our time on social media. Um, but it's what's necessary if we're going to have the kinds of relationships that really build each other up. That's where this started. All things are lawful, okay? Is it a sin to be on Instagram? I'm not here to answer that question. And I don't want you to really be asking that question. I want you to ask, is it building me up? Is it building other people up, this time that I'm spending on social media? Because not all things do edify. And so we need to be honest about that and make the changes that we might need to. Okay, uh, we did pretty good. It's 1151. So let's, uh, uh, there's going to be some closing comments, okay? 